Hello and welcome to another episode of Des and Marco. I'm Des. And I'm Marco. <laughs> How are you, Des? Not too bad, not too bad. It's been a while since we, well, the same while as usual since we last recorded, but the last episode was an absolute blast. So thanks to Jay again, because that was an awesome event. Well, easy for you to say, you won. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but it was really fun. So let us know, actually, if you enjoyed that kind of show. If you did, we can hopefully convince Jay to come back and quiz us again, or we can take turns. Anyway, there's we need to get drinking what what's your choice following last episode's terrible beer i've decided to play it super safe i'm drinking a lager style beer from a pretty new brewery based here in scotland they are quite hipster in the sense that they've literally labeled themselves as not a u.s style craft but not a ale style producer so somewhere in between uk and u.s style beers and uh, the story is pretty cool. So it's called the Pilot Beer Brewery, based in Leith, which is really close to Edinburgh. Basically, the two dudes were studying degrees in brewing and distilling together in 2012. Wait, hang on. There's a degree in brewing? Allegedly. I don't know. I've just found out now. What? <laughs> oh, uh, um, I'm going to look into that. <laughs> Carry on. Assuming there's no jobs at the end of this degree, they decided <laughs> to set up their own brewery. And this is the product. They literally do everything themselves. Everything. They bought a secondhand brewing machine and distilling kit and dismounted it and bought a warehouse and, you know, built this up. And everything is done by scratch, painstakingly. And they've got these unfined beers, so they call them. And this one's called Charmed Circle Lager. So, it should be a safe bet. How about you? Following the beer fiasco of last <laughs> of last uh, episode, I also decided to play it safe. So I have a Dutch beer from the Trost Brewery, which, if you remember, we went to when you came to visit. And it's the Honey Blonde, Honig Blonde, which is a blonde beer with 7% alcohol. And it actually has honey. And the reason I picked it is because I actually know it, because I know the brewery very well, and I really like it. So <laughs> I really wanted to play it safe this time. And for clarity, honey, not honey mustard. <laughs> yeah, honey, just honey. Just honey. Okay, cool. Yeah. If you didn't understand that joke, please listen to our previous episode. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Also, I drank way too much this summer, and I was kind of thinking of staying off the drink for a while, and then we had to record. <laughs> so I guess not. Anyway, the news. There's one bit of news that I really wanted to talk about, but unfortunately it didn't happen. That is the launch of Artemis 1, or the SLS rocket that built by NASA, that's meant to go around the moon. And I had this whole script ready and we were going to talk about it and it was going to be great. But due to two hydrogen leaks, the launch was postponed and now we're targeting the end of September for it. I cannot remember exactly which day. So hopefully we'll talk about it next episode. Anyway, turning the page, I found this interesting bit of news. Do you know crypto or crypto.com? They're like, a, I guess, a yeah. crypto... It's a platform for buying, holding, and exchanging different yeah, for trading. And apparently Matt Damon is one of the... Yeah, he was a spokesperson. He did a Super Bowl advert. 
Yeah, spokesperson. Thank you. So apparently they made a, a tiny mistake <laughs> where one user was due a refund of $100. And again, by mistake, they gave her 10 million. <laughs> and that woman vanished. I mean, she spent everything and it took crypto.com, it, it took them seven months to realize the error. And then when they tried to like go to this woman and say, yeah, listen, we kind of gave refunded way too much. Can you give it back? She's like, no, I spent everything. I did read about this, but like she has to pay it back. So she bought a house immediately. Yeah. I think she's been forced to sell it to pay back for the error. Yeah, maybe. I don't know exactly, but uh, but uh, yeah, I find it pretty funny. Like, imagine just out of the blue, you find 10 million in your account. Yeah, crazy. The whole point of crypto as a technology is, you know, the blockchain. It's meant to keep a record of every transaction ever made. So this isn't a simple, let's say, clerical error. This is... Yeah. Well, it is a clerical error, but that error will be reflected in the blockchain. So you should be able to see where, who holds the money and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So this links in with another piece of news I had, because this blockchain technology is incredibly energy intensive. So apparently yes. like processing one Bitcoin can power the average American house for three years. For real? For real, like one house. So... Oh. Three houses for a year or something yeah. for one Bitcoin transaction. And there's God knows how many going on every yeah. part of this problem. I don't know much about crypto. I'm not going to go in depth in it. We do plan to do something about this kind of world shortly once we're better informed and able to express ourselves with a bit more clarity. But yeah. anyway, one of the biggest cryptocurrencies is called Ethereum. Yeah. So they're doing this massive software switch and they're switching method of verification. So at the moment, all the major coins such as Bitcoin, Dogecoin, Ethereum, etc., they use what's called proof of work, where all these mining data centers will crunch a very energy intensive formula to then solve it and verify the transaction. Very yeah. energy intensive. Apparently, all crypto coins are like the world's ninth most energy intensive country in the world. Oh, wow. Okay. And with yeah. energy prices rising, you don't really want to be doing that. And hence or the crash. Uh, you know, yeah. this year has been a bad year for crypto as it is. Yeah. And because of that and the rising energy crisis and all that sort of stuff. Now, if you want to buy a graphics card, the prices have plummeted. Anyway, Ethereum, which is the world's second biggest cryptocurrency, has switched from this proof of work, energy intensive model to what's called a proof of stake, where basically people will be chosen to verify these transactions. They will put forward some of their own capital. So it's called proof of stake. And then once the transaction is verified, they get it back plus a bonus. What mm. this means for real terms is that there is a 99.92% reduction in energy usage. Wow. Okay. That's incredible. So this is like yeah. big news in the crypto because A, it's much better for the environment. And B, all those big data centers just crunching crypto, like crypto mining places, they've literally all lost their income overnight. Hmm. Wow. Okay. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. So this whole process is called the merge. It was actually all over my social media, both LinkedIn for some reason and Twitter, the merge. But I really didn't know what it was about. So thank you for giving me a slight overview. But yeah, we are working on a crypto blockchain NFT episode and hopefully we'll be able to talk about it soon. 
whatever there's it doesn't matter the the really really important thing is that the biggest news of the last couple of weeks is nintendo finally gave us a date and a title for the sequel of breath of the wild so it's going to be called tears of the kingdom and it's going to arrive on nintendo switch on may 12th I saw the release video or the trailer. At first, I got really depressed because it was like May 12th. It was like 12-5, like the American way of uh, putting dates. So All I right. thought, or it was like 5-12, sorry. So I thought it was going to be released in December of next year. So I was like pretty, pretty upset. But then, no, it, it's actually May. And there's apparently confusion over the title because it's it was either tears or tears of the kingdom but nintendo confirmed it was tears of the kingdom fun fact the nintendo what do they call it their keynote or the nintendo direct yes the nintendo direct was not aired in the uk because of the morning of the passing of the queen possibly linking the fact that maybe those are the tears of the kingdom Nah, come on <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> But anyway, it's out. We have like a little trailer. I cannot wait to play it. I think that's going to be a day one purchase. Also, because it's probably never going to be discounted like all triple yeah. Nintendo games. So it doesn't really matter. Then they presented a bunch of other games. But one that I was actually really curious about, despite not being a fan of the series, was that they presented a bunch of remakes of Resident Evil games. I can't remember which one, whether like the Resident Evil Village, I think it was. It's the one that you have that giant lady chasing yeah. you. It's coming to the Switch. But one thing I was really interested in is not so much the game in itself, but the fact that it's playable only via cloud. Meaning Nintendo is kind of making its own xCloud uh, Game Pass kind of thing. Not quite. They've had a few games with this cloud gaming platform. And it's not cloud gaming as me and you would know it. In the sense that most cloud gaming platforms will allow you to play online. I.e. through a browser or this, yeah. that or the other. Even if it's a console browser. So you might be limited to, let's say, some hardware. But the advantages are you won't need to update the game. It's constantly up to date, that sort of thing. Nintendo's is completely different. You still have to buy the game. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. But you can only play it, like, for example, if you buy it with the cartridge, you still have to have the cartridge in. And the Switch is quite not powerful. It's pretty limited hardware-wise. So to get over those limitations, they stream the game and outsource the heavy lifting to their data centers, their servers. Yeah. But it's not like I can play on your Nintendo. It has to be my Nintendo. Yeah, okay. No, I get I get the limitations. But what I found pretty fascinating is the fact that I mean the Switch is known for being less powerful than uh than the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, and I think even the previous generation. This goes around it, as in now the you're no longer bound by the lack of power of the Switch. The bottleneck becomes your internet connection. Which yeah. I, I think is actually pretty cool. And I think it sparks maybe another debate of will we have a PlayStation 6 and a follow-up of the of the um, the current Xbox if you're going to end up streaming games anyway? I mean, the hardware is just somewhere else and that constantly gets updated. So I'm really curious to see where the where gaming evolves from here, because if many people, including yourself, has been have been telling me about the Game Pass and how good it is and how good it runs on everything basically yeah so does it matter how powerful your hardware is not really no i completely agree and um 
I might be wrong. Don't forget, we don't fact check anything. I think it was Logitech. One of their prototype devices got leaked and they're planning to release a cloud only handheld device. Yeah. 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 And, I think we saw it together. Yeah. And then it immediately got pulled from Twitter, adding fuel to the fire. So, you know, the Streisand effect, when you don't want attention brought to something, don't bring attention to it. So yeah. they kind of confirmed it by being so against its early publication. Yeah. So it does seem like the market, because of also the Steam Deck, which is a portable powerhouse, which has been proven very adept at cloud gaming, and the fact that xCloud is so popular and it's switched to a subscription method, which businesses love. Yeah. I think this is definitely going to be a branch in the future. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of video games and leaks, I don't know if you saw it. The, this news is like super fresh, or maybe it's not by the time we publish. But there, there's been a huge leak of GTA 6. There's a, a video on YouTube. Oh, really? No, I've not seen this. Apparently, like there's a bunch of images and there's a whole video of YouTube on YouTube. I don't know if I should spoil anything, but it doesn't really spoil anything. You're basically doing a robbery in like a restaurant. And the playable character, there's two playable characters. One's a man, one's a woman. So, ooh, first woman ooh. playable character in a GTA game. So anyway, yes, um, beginning of the year, I think Rockstar admitted that they were in development of the game. So yeah, this is further proof, but we still don't have any release date or any trailers or anything else. Like the video is very basic, as in the main character, the playable character is very, like it has all the right textures and everything. But the rest, you can see that it's not done. Anyway, what I really wanted to discuss with you today, Des, Apple recently had their fall event or their September event, which is typically the one for iPhones and uh, watches. We're still expected to have another event later this fall. Rumors are saying there's going to be new iPad iPads or iPad Pros. We don't we don't know yet. So we have the new Apple Watches, the new AirPods Pro, and especially the new iPhones out. Very mixed feelings about it. So where do you want to begin? I know the basics of the event. I've actually never owned an iPhone, but obviously they are so influential on the market and what Apple does, others tend to follow. Yeah, maybe we should start with the iPhone 14. All right. Or you mean the iPhone 13S because nothing changes. <laughs> this one, the, the regular 14. So they, they, they presented the 14 and the 14 Pro just like every other year. The 14, like the regular one, is so disappointing in my point of view, from my point of view, because apart from the very slightly incremental updates, like slightly better camera, slightly better screen, that's pretty much it. The silicon is last year's. They're further separating the regular iPhone from the Pro one, but this is really sneaky. Like they just they're just selling you last year's phone essentially because there's images all over the internet of comparison of photos taken by the iPhone 13 and the 14 and you can barely tell the difference if you can even tell it. In terms of speed, last year's processor is massively fast. It's faster than anything Android currently runs or that anything that currently runs Android, but at the same time, I like if I was going to buy an iPhone today and I wanted the 14, I probably just get the 13 since it's cheaper. It's a cheaper phone, but if I'm not mistaken, usually Apple will release its latest gen phone, its yearly cycle, whatever, and last year's generation phones become slightly cheaper and are still for sale. Yeah. This year, they haven't reduced the price of their previous generation. 
The iPhone 14 is slightly more expensive than the iPhone 13, but the price of the iPhone 13 has remained the same. Yeah, that's not entirely true. That's where our friend inflation comes into play. Because I've noticed it on the Euro store, so the, the one in the Netherlands, for example, where the 13 stayed at the same price and the 14 is more expensive and the pros are even more expensive. But in the US, the 13 got cheaper. So the... Uh -huh. Yeah, so like it's just exchange rates, like the, I guess, the pound as well as the euro got devalued. And so we get to pay, pay more for iPhones. That adds even more to the feeling of being scammed. The fact that here in Europe, at least, the 13 is at the same price and they just introduced a slightly but marginally better phone at a higher price, which is like I'm not I'm I would not buy that if I was in the market for a phone. Also, I feel like this is clearly a decision that Apple has made to say you want a perfectly good functioning iPhone, get the 14, but it's not the best. If you want the best, you go for the Pro series or the Pro Max or whatever it's called. So they've created a distinction between the haves and the have-nots again. Those who can afford to spend even more. Yeah, but this year I feel like it's even more artificial this this difference as in previous years the pro was essentially the regular iphone with better cameras then last year they added the 120 hertz screen but that's it and this year they're making more of a difference between the two phones which i agree with but the way they do it is like they're selling you this year's iphone which is actually like a repackaging of last year's yeah that i, I i'm kind of offended by if I was in the market for a phone today, I'd either go for the Pro or the 13. I would just skip the 14 altogether. Unless, because this is the real novelty of the 14 line, is they introduced the 14 Plus. The Mini, no one bought it, so no one. Did, so Apple is not making it anymore, which is a little bit of a pity because everybody praises small phones and then nobody buys them. And I was actually, you, you, you know about this. I was very tempted to buy one in a, let's say, desperate attempt to decrease my screen time. But the Mini is being replaced by the Plus, so the regular iPhone this year gets a bigger version which we were just talking about it a, a few days ago, about how for me and you, a bigger phone isn't necessarily a great thing, um, despite the fact that I have a giant phone. But for many people, the phone is the only device they have for content consumption, for, you know, like Netflix and Disney Plus and such. People watch that a lot on their phones, while for me, it's just I would watch it on the TV, on the laptop, on the tablet, on whatever. I have a number of bigger screens yeah. that makes it a bit more comfortable. But for a lot of people, it makes sense. The bigger one is going to be released in October, and it's meant to have the best battery ever in an iPhone which I'm actually really curious to see because it's probably going to be amazing. Again, today's episode might show the cynical side of my brain. I don't think Apple has given any consideration to why people want a bigger screen. They've literally said no one buys the mini, make it bigger. Yeah, but I mean, if you're a business and no one buys you buys the mini, then you, sh you should oh, stop making completely it. agree. But anecdotally, remember, it's almost a decade ago now. Androids were all getting really big. And all the Apple fanboys were kind of like, oh, no, but, you know, you can't use it with one hand and your thumb doesn't reach the edge of the screen. That argument is completely null and void now. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, things change, I guess. There's two interesting bits to it. 
Apple seems very concerned with you being safe in every situation this year. So they introduced crash detection, which via a number of sensors and gyroscopes and such, it can detect when you are in a car crash and automatically call like 911 or the, the emergency service or wherever you are. So it'll do that. And we'll talk about what the watch does as well. And another thing is like it's very concerned by you being in an emergency where there's no cell phone signal. So this year they introduced, I cannot remember what they called it, but it's basically like satellite communication. You can send very basic messages via satellite, like your position or like help, I'm stuck or whatever. And you just have to like, you obviously need to be outdoors and have to point the, the phone to the sky. And it tells you which way to point, like which way there's a, a satellite and send a message. It's pretty interesting, but also I don't really see the use of it. No. I mean, I barely leave the indoors, so it's, I don't see myself paying more for a 14 rather than a 13 for this feature. I do think it's funny though, because Apple obviously put a lot of emphasis on this new feature as if it was essential. And yeah. they made it sound as if it's a miracle we are all alive today, because clearly this is what we need to stay alive. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe if I was into like expeditions and things, I would probably find a use for it. But also there's satellite phones that. But yeah, if you're into expeditions, the technology or the safety tools already exist. Yeah, this to exactly. me seems a bit of a gimmick. Yeah. Also, no, the, the other thing is that it's a service that's free for two years. So there's no news about what happens after these two years, as in, does it get renewed? Does it cost? How much does it cost right? or whatever? And it's available only in the US and Canada. So us Europeans can go get lost <laughs> in the woods and <laughs> no one will ever find us. That's quite funny. So if you leave the US, it's okay to die. Or yeah, if you leave the US, despite the fact that you're paying more for an iPhone, Apple doesn't really care for you. Uh, but on the flip side, we do have state subsidized healthcare. Yes. <laughs> but does the can I call an ambulance <laughs> if I'm in the woods and a tree falls <laughs> does Apple tell the the NHS about it Apple doesn't but somebody does <laughs> yeah well I don't know we'll see and that's it that's 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 the 14 it's super disappointing in my view I mean and I, I think we'll we'll get to it later it's a super okay phone like it does everything really well but it's just not an, like just get the 13 it does exactly the same thing one uh, visual change if i'm not mistaken is the notch has been redesigned and now it's a punch hole ah uh, no wait yeah that's on the pro it's only on the pro yeah it's only on the pro and like, i guess we can start talking about the pro because compared to the regular 14 the pro has a new processor which apple on their keynote compared to like the iphone 12 or 11 or something like that saying like it's much faster so like you really know that it's just like a slight increase over last year but it has much better cameras like the cameras the lenses themselves are ginormous now finally it went up from 12 to 48 megapixels which is like revolutionary despite the fact that android has been doing it for years the interesting thing about it, there's no longer the notch that the notch used to house the selfie camera as well as all the face ID sensors, but it's more of a little island, which Apple named the dynamic island, which is really stupid. But 
the the concept of it i think is really cool because they've made it a software thing as in the the cutout is still there but they have animations around it. So like when you have a music playing, it shows as an icon there. When you've got like a phone call, it pops up from there. Really difficult to describe with words. You'd really have to see it. But the way that the hardware and the software are integrated, plus the classic Apple UI wizardry, it just looks amazing. This is one of the things that I see Android copying very soon. I did think though that there's one flaw it obviously encourages you to interact with this dynamic island. As you said, when the music comes up, you know, fast forward, pause, next, skip. Yeah. But it's right next to the front facing camera. So that's going to be full of smudges now. Yeah, you're always smudging it because you're actually interacting with that bit of the screen very much, which I mean, on my phone, I barely reach that high up unless it's the notification app. Yeah, the notification draw thing, whatever. But like seeing it work, it looks incredible. Apple UI designers have done a superb job on it. That's what differentiates Apple products from the rest. The fact that the hardware and the software are integrated and so that they can just do whatever they want. They do it much better than Android, I think. A good example of this, which boggled my mind, is that the iPhone 14, I don't know which one exactly. I think it's the whole line. They're now introducing always on displays, i.e. when your phone is in a resting state, yeah. you've now got a display. Now, this is something that Android phones have had for over a decade. Yeah, I think the, the Nexuses of the past had it. Yeah, any, I think it was the first generation of AMOLED screens on Android phones have had an always on display because of their energy advantages, etc. Even though Apple uses um, AMOLED displays or whatever, they haven't had an always on display. And this boggles my mind. It's something so yeah. basic. Like I've always got the time on my phone. As you've said, Apple has this, let's say, software polish or wizardry and their implementation is much more elegant. So yeah. on all Android phones, you will have the time and date and maybe a bit of a graphic here and there. Nothing to write home about. Very functional, slightly elegant, but limited. Whereas yeah. the Apple one will have a very toned down version of your home screen and you'll still be able to see the notifications. So it still has color. It still has pictures. It's, it's your personalized home screen, just toned down. And I'm not sure of the energy usage yet. We'll need to see how it affects battery life, but it is much more elegant. Yeah, for sure. It's only on the Pro because the Pro has the 120 hertz screen. But that LTPO, I think that's the technology, the acronym for it. That one can scale down the refresh rate to one hertz. The funny thing is it does it just for the always on display. Outside of it, it's the minimum is 10 hertz. I've seen a couple of reviews and some say that it really uses too much battery. Some say it doesn't. So I don't know. But also I've lived without an always on display on iPhones all my life or all my iPhone owning life and it's fine. Should we talk a little bit about the watch? Yeah, go for it. They also introduced the new watches, the SE, which is the cheap one, the eight, which is basically a seven with an added temperature sensor, which allegedly calculates your period if you're a person with a cycle. But they introduced the what everybody thought was going to be called the Apple Watch Pro, but it's actually the Apple Watch Ultra, which Whoa. is this 
Yeah, it's amazing. I secretly really want one, but <laughs> <laughs> it's basically an Apple Watch with an added button and much bigger. It's massive. I think it's like 49 inches, the, the screen. Or not 49, 49 inches. Millimeters, millimeters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wear like a, a big it's like a television. Yeah, no. Okay, so like Apple does this thing where whatever videos they do, by the end of it, I'm like in awe and I want to buy the product. It's targeted towards extreme sports or extreme people that like go diving and hike mountains and go like running in the desert. None of which I do, but much bigger battery. So it's meant to last a bit longer. Still, like if you're going to hike a mountain, like Everest or something, it's probably going to take you more than a couple of days <laughs> that the battery lasts. So kind of weird. Yeah, it's got like a much better GPS. It's got like a, a siren. So it's got crash detection. It's got like all sorts of things in case you die or something like that, or you're about to die because you die, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't know. It just looks cool. The The only thing is that at least in, I think in the US, it's like $7.99 or $8.99. And here in Europe, it's a thousand euro. Wow. Which, for a watch. Yeah. Okay. Like, you you know about my newfound passion for like luxury watches. In that realm, it's relatively cheap. But like for a thousand euro, you can buy a nice watch. Yeah. And the flaw of smartwatches in general, as you said, if you're going to use it as a tool for activities, Battery life is important, and even though this has got very good battery life for a smartwatch, it still pales in comparison to a feature watch. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, I don't know, for a thousand euro, you can buy a pretty okay automatic watch, like mechanical watch, that will last, will probably outlast you. The Apple Watch, you'll probably buy a new one in a couple of years. So, yeah. I don't know. The interesting thing about it, it's not so much what it can do, but it's more what it will do in the future. There's an interesting article on The Verge that compares this watch to like the Garmin ones. And so Garmin is like the sat-nav company that makes all these watches and makes like bike computers and all this stuff. And they've been doing it for years. And if you want to buy a smartwatch for these kind of activities, you get a Garmin. No, yeah. like that's it. But Apple is entering this like high-end smartwatch market now with their usual UI wizardry and so everything looks great and like that. But it kind of reminds The Verge and like thinking about it, it could be the the launch of the first iPhone. The first iPhone was launched like 2007, 8, something like that. And all the other companies that made smartphones, they laughed at it because, oh, it doesn't have a keyboard. Oh, it doesn't have a camera. Oh, it doesn't do this. Oh, it doesn't do that. Where are Nokia and BlackBerry today? Apple slowly but surely adds features and kept adding stuff. Like, remember, I think the first couple of years it didn't have copy pasting and all the Android people were like mocking them. Like, oh, how can you not have copy paste? And it's basically targeting companies like Garmin, you, you know, our cardinal rule of never buying something first generation. So this one, I'll skip it also because I barely leave the house. But I'm really curious to see where the Apple Watch Ultra goes in a few years once it has better battery, more features, whatever. I think you've stumbled on something really interesting and you're absolutely right. People did laugh off the iPhone as a non-threat and, you know, who's laughing now sort of thing. Yeah. You know, we've discussed this almost ad nauseum. I hope the audience isn't nauseated, but still. Apples are usually quite, and iPhone specifically, 
are usually quite easy to recommend. Now, you mentioned them going for Garmin. I think it's worth pointing out that like the luxury watch market, for example, suffered a lot when the, the iWatch was released, the Apple Watch, yeah. because people stopped buying watches. They started buying the Apple Watch. The Apple ecosystem is easy to recommend. It works, yeah. for want of a better word. It probably works for most people. I will still stand on my hill and say that if you want specialist tools, Apple don't really care. You know, they're not for people yeah. who like to tinker and tailor. They're for people who want something which just works. Yeah. That's where, let's say, the Androids are a little bit less easy to recommend. And for example, you know, Google, which is probably Apple's biggest rival, they haven't been able to nail the Pixel phones yet. No. And we were actually talking about this, about how you, unless there's a major flaw with the upcoming Pixel 7, that's a phone that you would be potentially interested in. Because now it has its own chip, it's uh, got stock Android, it's allegedly going to be well built and have basically everything that you need. But at the same time, can you think of one Pixel phone that was flawless or that didn't have any major flaw? As in the first one was good, the second one was good, and then all of the other ones, they had like the major flaw, like the six is infested with bugs. The five was not powerful enough. The four was, I don't know, like battery was crap and so on and so on. So for example, Google's first chip, and again, Apple's been designing its own chip for yonks now, the Tensor chip, which I think hopefully will be fixed for the Tensor 2. We can talk about that later if we have time. But the Pixel 6 and the 6 Pro, whatever it's called, they overheated. They had terrible fingerprint sensor. They had really poor thermals. It was marred by bugs. And then Google releases their, let's say, budget line a little, six months later. And the Pixel 6a this year was a really easy recommendation if you're into Android because it yeah. actually ironed out a lot of those bugs and improved and has the same chip. So the trade-offs were almost worth it for a much cheaper price, and a lot of the bugs had been ironed out. Yeah. But again, their flagship models, you know, they've been tarred with this brush of being bugged. Yeah, exactly. And there's very few companies that are able to nail the flagship. Samsung does it sometimes and not really all the time. Apart from very few, the iPhone has been, is consistently the easiest phone to recommend to someone or to recommend to someone that doesn't know necessarily know phones. I just want something that works, that's got good battery, that's fast enough, that takes good pictures, just get an iPhone. Apart from my disappointment for the 14 or whatever, if you buy a 14, it's an absolutely good phone. Like yeah. there's nothing wrong with it or there's nothing disappointing with it. It's the phone in itself is not a bad phone. It's just disappointing in the context of it being basically a 13. And that has been the case with the 13 and with the 12 and the 11. Like you just get an iPhone and it's just so easy to recommend. Everything on it works. The apps tend to be a little bit nicer, as in I hate Instagram for Android and on iPhone it's just a much better experience. Maybe because of that, Apple doesn't feel the need to really innovate. And that's why they're much, they come much later to any party, whether that's the whole punch screen, whether that's widgets or always on displays or whatever you want. They come, they release that years after everybody else has because there's no need to. People just buy iPhones because it's an iPhone and that's it. It works. And I've written something here on a little sort of cue sheet and 
I would argue, as you said, Apple and people buy Apple because they just work. And Apple is not a company which really pushes the boat when it comes to innovation, even though it claims to reinvent the wheel every time it adopts one of these features. But I would argue that people don't want innovation. So my case example is LG, the company which used to, in my opinion, be super innovative and was a pretty big mobile player. You know, they had a projector phone. And if you think about it, projectors are really popular now. And that was maybe ahead of its time. It had a modular phone. It had a dual screen phone before they became a thing. It had a swivel phone. It even had a a prototype for a rollable phone. So adopting foldable technology. But they're out. They've pulled out of the market. They went out with a whimper. No big grand finale. Just gone. Poofed. So again, you know, even Samsung had a reputation for throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. Yeah, But like the Chinese manufacturers literally just copied iPhones, sold them at a cheaper price and completely ate away at Samsung's, let's say, market advantage in the lower tiers. Yeah, that's right. And actually, right now, the only innovation we see in phones today is the um, foldables. And even those, I mean, we talked about it uh, last time or the time before about how the Fold 4 and the Flip 4 by Samsung are pretty much just slight improvements over the their previous generations so even there we're not seeing a lot of innovation just as a a side note which i think is um, quite interesting you alluded to it before you said you wanted a smaller phone because of screen time and this is an issue which i think a lot more younger people are becoming aware of oh thank you for calling me young yes marco But, um, you know, the YouTube channel Cold Fusion, which I think you recommended a while back. Yes, really good. He did a, let's say, commentary on the rise of the dumb phone. So people are actually Mm. going back to buying simple feature phones because of maybe their longer battery life or the fact that they've got no distractions um, because they just do the basics and that's it. And that's all you need. Asus, for example, have released the Zenfone 9, and it's a flagship phone. It's got a very decent camera. It nails all the basics, and it's small. And people are losing their mind over it because it's something so rare. Yeah, I know. Exactly. But let's see. Apple released the Mini, and it was a great phone because it was like a proper flagship, just smaller. And they didn't quite nail it on the the first time round because the, the battery was crap. Then the 13 Mini was actually really good. So I'm still actually thinking about it, but we'll see. Well, I'm going to save my thoughts and conclusions on what I'm going to get next, awaiting Google's response in early October. So um, I'm hoping good things come out of that event. There's already leaks and official pictures and renders of what the next Pixel 7 is going to look like. I'm not sold on the aesthetics but you put a case on it anyway so i don't really care too much yeah exactly yeah but they leaked it themselves they they showed it a few months back i think in the spring yeah curious to see how it reviews if you end up buying it i'm curious to hear your thoughts just how i'm curious to hear your thoughts about your safe bet of a beer oh my god marco honestly like i finished it maybe 20 minutes ago because it went down so well (laughs) wow all right Just so I know, is it better or worse than a mustard beer? You might find it hard to believe, but it's better. No way. (laughs) (laughs) As a reminder for the listener, I had a charmed circle lager from the pilot brewery. 
and it's very, very light. It's crisp. It's got a hint of sweet malty biscuit. It's just a really refreshing lager to drink. It went down so well that this is a super easy beer to recommend. It's not quite as good as the, let's say, traditional German style lager I had a couple of episodes ago, because that is something spectacular. But this is a solid recommendation. So I would give it a good four out of a six pack. Nice. Very good. How about yours? Yeah, so to recap, I had the Honig Blonde but from the Brauerei Trost here in Amsterdam. Apparently it has real honey, which you can taste, but in a good way. Not uh, <laughs> like it's not one of those gimmicky beers that we actually have way too often on the show. It's really good. So it's it's a blonde beer, so it goes down smoothly. And then there's like a slight after, like a slight sweet aftertaste of uh, honey, which is really good. So. I mean, it's one of my favorites when I go to this. Uh, they have a few bars around Amsterdam. And I will give this one a four and a half out of six. It's pretty good. Nice. So, Des, today we talked about crypto and about the Ethereum merge, which is a thing, apparently, as well as crypto.com platform accidentally reimbursing or refunding 10 million to a lady instead of $100, which is pretty funny. The biggest news of the entire year, I guess, is that the sequel to Breath of the Wild, so Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, comes out on May 12th, 2023. So only a few months more. But then mostly we talked about the, the latest Apple event and had a little debate about whether the iPhone is still the best phone or not and compared it to what Android has to counter. And I guess we'll find out in October. Exactly. So Des, having said that, I'm going to speak to you next time. See you next time, guys. The Merge.